0: Good. Okay. So here we are at the end of Daniel. Can you believe it's been 13 weeks of studying this book? Uh, I can't believe that we're finally here. And today we're going to be looking at chapters 10, 11, and 12. And I know you're thinking, wow, I am a glutton for punishment. It's true. But the real reason we're doing all three chapters is that it actually contains one event spread over three chapters. And so we need to deal with it all together. And what these these chapters do uh, in a fascinating way is they basically kind of pull back the curtain from the physical world that separates the physical world with the spiritual world. And we get a small glimpse into something that is normally hidden from us. So let's start by reading the first few verses of chapter 10. This is what it says in Daniel 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, As I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from up fast around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face was like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and sent me trembling on my knees, or hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. This vision happens a couple of years after the Jews had been released to go back to Jerusalem. Their exile was in effect over. And uh, it's interesting that we see in this chapter that Daniel's Babylonian name Belteshazzar is mentioned and it almost forms like a bookend from chapter one where we are introduced to Daniel and This Babylonian name and now we're concluding the chapter with this and as I was thinking about it I just I realized and I thought I'd share this with you Even though this book uh, is written about Daniel. He has two names one uh, the name that he was given by the conquering power And it's a reminder that sometimes the world calls to us, speaks to us, defines us, sees us in a certain way, and even labels us this way. But it does not have to be who we become. You see, the Babylonians and even the Persians had called him Belteshazzar. He was the servant of the Babylonian god Bel with that name. But as we have found out in the whole book, Daniel did not live up to that name. He lived up to his Jewish name of being a servant to Yahweh, the Most High God. And it's a reminder that even in our world that tends to try and force us into things, try to label us certain ways, we do not have to live as the world wants us to live. We can live as God has created us to live, as he has created us to be. We can become the people God wants us to become, just like Daniel did, even in a toxic culture, even in a foreign culture. And we find out in these first few verses that Daniel mourns for three weeks. We're not sure why he's mourning. There's some thought that maybe he got a bad report from the exiles who were in Jerusalem, and and he realized how hard they were struggling and how hard it was, similar to what Nehemiah goes through in Nehemiah chapter 1. And this causes him to get into a a space where he mourns by fasting and praying to God and calling out to God. And I wonder if it ties back to chapters 8 and 9, where he's starting to think, well, maybe God's timetable is moved up a bit. Maybe the hard things that God told him about that were coming for the Jews was actually occurring faster than what he thought. And so he's trying to understand this. And then it tells us that in this vision that he gets by the river, he meets this man. And there's a lot of thought about who this person is. Some people believe that it's actually the angel Gabriel who he's previously met. I'm not so sure it is because I think Daniel would have told us it was Gabriel. He'd already met him. He knows what he looks like. He would have shared that with us. Others believe it's just an entirely different angel, a different one that has been sent to Daniel. And yet there's a third option, and that's the option uh, that people believe that this is a theophany. This is a fancy word that just means that this is an instance in the Old Testament when God reveals himself in bodily form. And there's a number of reasons why I think this is a theophany. Uh, The way that this man is described is very similar or has similarities to how Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 1 describes his vision of God. And there's some similarities to how John describes meeting the post-ascension Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. Uh, Those things, very similar, I think lend itself to this being actually God who meets with Daniel. And then the second thing that I think lends weight to it is the reaction of Daniel. Previously, when Daniel met Gabriel, he doesn't collapse like he does here. This collapsing gives us the impression and the terror that the others experienced that were with Daniel that didn't even see the vision gives us an impression that he is meeting someone entirely different than he has met before. And I think that's probably only person could be God. But he doesn't go on there. And and, and, and Daniel goes on in verse 12 to explain or talk about what happens. And then it says, Then he continued, and this is God, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come." Fascinating to hear what is going on here. Uh, Daniel prays, God heard his prayer, and yet he's delayed by an entity only known as the prince of the Persian kingdom. This obviously is a spiritual being. And there's this battle going on between God and this spiritual being until angel, uh, Michael, another angel shows up to help. And it, this, these two verses, these three verses really open our eyes to a spiritual reality we don't see that there is battles going on. Although, because of what occurs here and what is said, this, these verses lend weight to the argument that maybe this isn't God. Because people ask, if this was really God, isn't God supposed to be all-powerful? Like, why would it take him 21 days to deal with this, this spiritual entity? Why did he take so long to come to Daniel? Which I think is a fair question. So let me offer you a couple of suggestions of what I think actually happens here. In this passage, note, first of all, that this passage is descriptive. It is just telling us what has occurred. It does not tell us the reason for the delay other than there's something going on. We don't know why God delayed. We just know that he did delay dealing with the spiritual entity, which leads to a second thing. Because we don't actually know and God doesn't explain it, there may have been a reason why God left it go on for 21 days. There may have been another purpose that was being served that God said, no, this is going to take 21 days and then I'm going to go and visit Daniel. And this is not outside of God's character because there are other instances in the Bible where God actually limits his power. You see this in when he wrestles Jacob in Genesis. God doesn't overwhelm Jacob. You see this even with Jesus in the Gospels where when uh, Jesus comes to earth, he limits some of his power when he takes on human form. So there are other instances when God limits himself and doesn't just overwhelm the situation. And this may be one of those situations. Regardless of what actually goes on in this hidden spiritual realm, we do know this for sure. God heard Daniel when he prayed and he responded to it. If you jump down to verse 20 in chapter 10, uh, he goes on to say this. So he said, Do you know why I've come to you? Speaking to Daniel. Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. Fascinating. From these two verses, we learn that the spiritual fight is still ongoing. And even if the spiritual fight with Persia winds down, There is a new spiritual being called the Prince of Greece that's gonna come on the scene that God is gonna have to battle with. And, um, And yet, in the midst of all that, God takes the time to come to Daniel to say, hey, I'm here to answer your prayer and give you some more details about the future which are contained in this mysterious book called the Book of Truth. And then we get to chapter 11. And in chapter 11, it basically records a number of things that happen in history. And and if you love history and you've never studied Daniel chapter 11, I encourage you to go out and buy a good commentary and then sit down and work through chapter 11 and look at how uh, it describes very accurately history that takes place before Jesus comes. Verses 2 to 4 deal with uh, Persia and Greece, which we've already covered in past messages. And then verses 5 to 20 deal with Syria and Egypt. And it uses the the reference or the, the language of the king of the north and the king of the south. And it's really referring to these two kingdoms that are battling over a period of several hundred years. And then you get to verses 21 to 35. And this is an extended section. And the NIV uses this. It talks about the contemptible person. And from history, we know that this is Antiochus IV Epiphanes. And we talked about him extensively when we looked at chapter 8. And so I'm not going to go into it. And then you get to these verses, verse 36 to 45. And this section, there's a lot of debate about what this is talking about. On one side, there's some that would say that this is just a continued discussion uh, revealing who Antiochus is and what he does. Although there are a number of things in this passage that we have no historical record about him doing others believe that this actually refers to the New Testament antichrist that is yet to come and this is a section of prophecy that is, hasn't been fulfilled even in our day and then there's even been other beliefs John Calvin actually believed that this was talking about the early Roman Empire whatever it's talking about how how would we sum up chapter 11 This is how I think I would sum it up for you. It is a reminder that God's people, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, are caught in the middle of what is occurring. And then they become the target of what is occurring. As one author has put it, it goes this way. God's people are caught in the crossfire and then in the crosshairs. A great description of what actually takes place in chapter 11. And then you get to chapter 12. And this is where it gets even more interesting. In the beginning of chapter 12, it says this, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal up the words of the scroll until the end, or sorry, until the time of the end. Many will go here and there will be there to increase knowledge. It's interesting that Daniel finds out that the worst is yet to come. All the bad stuff that God had told them would happen in chapter 7 to 11, it gets worse in chapter 12. The worst is yet to happen. And then there is this significant but. But at that time, when the worst is here, at that time, everyone's name who is written in the book, if it's there, and Revelation tells us that this book's name is called the Book of Life, talks about it several times, will be delivered. I'd encourage you actually to underline this verse about the resurrection because it's the only concrete example in the Old Testament of a personal resurrection. And what God is reminding Daniel is of this, is that there is hope and judgment at the very end. There is hope for those who are being delivered into everlasting life. They have hope. But for those who are being delivered into everlasting contempt, there is judgment. And God wants to make that clear to Daniel. He goes on in verses 5 to 12 of of chapter 12 to deal with an obvious question. And that question is, when will this happen? When will the end finally come? And we find out even in this section that the angels want to know this. And then in this section of verses, God gets cryptic again. He's been very clear in most of chapter 11. Now he gets cryptic again, and he reuses language that we have found in earlier chapters. He talks about time, times, and a half a time, which is a repeat from chapter 7. He reintroduces or re-talks about the abomination that causes desolation from chapter 9. And then at the very end of this passage, he uses two sets of times. He talks about this time period of 1,290 days and then another time period of 1,355 days and here's the thing no one really knows what this means no one really understands what God is getting at some think it points to that last seven of the seventy sevens that we looked at last week in chapter 9 but no one is sure and then God ends it in verse 13 by saying this to Daniel as for you Go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. It's kind of crazy that God ends everything with these words. Basically, he says, Daniel, go on your way. Live your life. Stop worrying about the future. Stop worrying and trying to figure out what's going to happen years, decades, centuries, even millennia ahead of you. Just focus on your life and what's left of it. In essence, what he's telling Daniel is this, the faithful, those who trust God, must wait for God to fulfill his word. And in doing so, they must just live their lives, not worrying about what might happen or what is to come. That's what his final message to Daniel is. Live in the present. Don't live in the future. Live now. And as we end these chapters of Daniel, and as we end the book of Daniel, what does this have, what does it have for us? I think there's a couple of things these three chapters really specifically lay out for me. And I want to share them with you as we end this message. The first is centered around prayer. Chapter 10 really reveals a lot about prayer. First, it tells us that when we pray, we get pulled into the spiritual realm. That when we enter into prayer and we're praying to God, we get pulled into a realm that we don't often understand and we have very little insight into. And even though we don't know what's going on, we do know what this for sure, that there is a spiritual battle raging that we cannot see. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter six, when he exhorts us to put on the spiritual armor so that we are prepared because he tells us and reminds us that what Daniel found out, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against other human beings. It is against spiritual beings. And Daniel on this day realized that his battle was not against King Cyrus. His battle was against the spiritual prince of Persia, That's who his real battle was against, and that's who God was fighting in all this. And this is a reminder, a great reminder, that prayer is important, but also that we shouldn't enter into prayer lightly because we are, in effect, entering into a realm that we know very little about. Most of you, I think, realize that next Sunday is Easter. And Easter is always a reminder of the spiritual battle that took place when Jesus was crucified Died and then rose again. You see, it's my sense that I think the most intense spiritual battles occur at Easter time every year because that's when the true message of the gospel gets preached. That's when true hope is delivered to our world by all the churches. There is no confusion, there is no wondering what. Christianity is about. It is about Jesus' death and resurrection for you and I. And should we wonder that that would be the time that Satan and his spiritual forces would be the most active to try and stop that message from going out? I don't think so. I think when it comes to Easter that we need to prepare ourselves. Yeah, I know, it's a bad pun. But really it's a reminder that we shouldn't enter Easter Lightly that we should take the time to focus ourselves We should take the time to be in prayer to help ourselves get prepared for the most significant day of the year It's the most significant thing we celebrate as Christians and as a church We want to help you prepare for Easter and so what we have done and what we've set up is we've set up a, a, a prayer station time here at the church that you can sign up for on our website to come with your family or by yourself or as couples and to spend some time preparing yourself through prayer and reflection about what Easter is and what it means to you to get ready for Easter. And we've even set up something for those of you who can't come to the building to do this at home. Sign up for it online and we will help you and send you something that will help walk through a number of things that will focus on what Jesus went through in order to get you ready for the best day of our year, Easter Sunday. I encourage you, and I think this year more than ever, a year where we have been separated from our church family, a a year where we may feel distant from each other, and maybe even feel distant from God right now as we enter into this Easter season, I encourage you to seriously take this and engage in it. And prepare yourself for Easter this year. You can find all that information at southridgefellowship.ca. The second thing about prayer that I notice in this, not only does it pull us into this spiritual realm, never doubt that God hears your prayer. That is a lesson we learned from this passage. God heard Daniel's prayer. And when we pray in Jesus' name, you need to be confident and realize that your prayer, your petition, your cry for help, even your praises go directly into God's throne room. He hears your prayer when you pray in his son's name. Don't ever doubt that. And also, don't doubt God's answers. You see, because delay God delaying and answering your prayer is not evidence that God did not hear your prayer. Daniel had to wait 21 days. Sometimes we have to wait months or weeks or even years to get an answer from God. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't hear your prayer. And another thing that is important to realize in this and remember is that sometimes, very rarely, do we actually find out why God delays his response sometimes. We very rarely find out why God gives us an answer of no when we pray, oftentimes. Daniel is very fortunate. He gets to find out the why. Most of the time, we don't. Sometimes, in hindsight, when we look back over our life at specific points, we get to discover maybe why God said, no, don't do it this way, go this way, or why God said, no, don't, I don't want you to do that. I want you to do something else. And we look back, and hindsight reveals that to us. But very rarely in the moment do we discover the why God tells us or why God even delays his answers. But this is what I want us to focus on in prayer. Daniel prayed and God moved. God answered him. God came to Daniel. Even though Daniel wasn't in trouble, it's not like he's being thrown into the lion's den. What Daniel wants is, is information. What Daniel wants is understanding. And still God comes to him and answers his prayer for understanding. You see, God does act when we pray. He does. God does act. Our prayers bring God's actions about. So for whatever reason you may have for setting aside prayer, for whatever reason you're not praying right now, I encourage you to set it aside and get back to praying or maybe even start praying. You see, God does answer our prayers. God does heal still these days. God does give us guidance when we need it. God still saves people, people who we've been praying for their salvation for. God still powerfully acts. God still moves when we pray, just like Daniel. There's a story that came out of uh, the riots that happened in Philadelphia last year. Uh, during those riots, a Vietnamese church was set on fire. And when the pastor of the church, uh, his name, Philip Pham, heard that his church had been set on fire, he prayed this prayer, God, please protect the hard drives. Now, that seems like an odd prayer. you think maybe he would have prayed, hey, God, protect the safe and all the donations in it. Or maybe they're an old school church and hey, God, pray... Please protect the choir robes because they're expensive to replace. But now he prays, please protect the hard drives. You see, this church had been helping local residents for years with immigration matters. And so these hard drives contain years of immigration paperwork, tax filings, and even marriage documents. So, when Pastor Pham arrived at his church and was able to go in after the fires had been put out and was able to enter the room where the hard drives were, he discovered that everything in the room had been destroyed except the hard drives. They had been untouched. He prayed and God moved, miraculously saving the hard drives. See, God moves when we pray, even to save things like hard drives. The other thing I just want to leave with you that I see in these chapters is this message of hope. Despite all the horrible news we hear in chapter 10 and 11 and 12 and 7 and 8 and 9, there is a message of hope that is weaved throughout it. And this message of hope centers around two books. The first book is the Book of Truth. And we see that in chapter 10. And this book, we're told, contains the events of the world. History has already been written down in this book. And it reminds us that no matter how bad history gets, God knows what is happening, and he's still in control. And it also reminds us of this. You may be tempted like Daniel to want to know your own future. You might want to have a little peek into the book of truth to know how your life plays out. But let me suggest that you really don't want this. You see when Daniel was let into the future, when he was when things of the future were revealed to him, how did he respond? It made him sick. It made him worried. You see, we are sinners living in a fallen world, which means that pain is always in our future. And whether it's the pain of death of someone we love or our own death, or whether it's the pain of sin because of the sins we do that break relationship with people or the consequences of that sin which cause pain in our life, our future holds pain for us. It does. That's, that's just the reality of living in a fallen, sinful world. And what God tells Daniel, I think, is the same message we need to understand It doesn't matter what our future holds. What matters is this, that God will be with us every step of the way, that the faithful need to trust that God will walk with them no matter what ends up happening. Because at the end of time, we have hope. And that's the second book, the book of life. This is the most important book because here's the thing. We need to make sure, we need to do everything in our power to make sure our name is written down in that book. Because no matter what happens, if our name is written in that book, our hope is secure. Our future is secure. There's a Hebrew word that is written down in these passages, and it's called the maskelim. And it means the wise, insightful one. And it, Daniel, it's used by God and Daniel to refer to the one who understands that this life is just a shadow of the one to come. That the masculine are the ones who make decisions now, knowing that their decisions now affect their eternity. It's the masculine, the wise ones who understand that the only way we get our name written in the book of life is when Jesus writes our name in it. And the only way Jesus is going to write our name in the book of life is when we come to Him and confess our sins, when we accept that He died for our sins on our behalf, when we believe that He rose from the dead, showing us and proving to us that He had power over death and that nothing can hold Him back. And then we commit to following Him for the rest of our earthly lives. Over the last few weeks, I have been using C.S. Lewis quotes uh, in the messages, and so I thought I would end our message today with one as well. In his book, The Last Battle, which is the last book in his Narnia series, he says this, The present life is only the cover and the title page. We await chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and in which every chapter is better than the one before. That is the hope we have if our life is written in the book of life. Is your name written in the book of life? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for Daniel. Lord, this has been a lot that we have covered today, and yet I want to pray on behalf of everyone who's been listening. My prayer is that everyone who listens has their name written in your book of life. Lord, that everyone who listens knows the hope and experiences the hope of what that means. And if there are those who are listening that don't have that assurance, Lord, help them come to the place right now where they come to you and ask for forgiveness of their sins. They come to you believing in who you are and what you've done for them on the cross. And they lay their life before you and make the decision to follow you for the rest of their days. And Lord, in doing that, that you would give them the assurance that their name is written in the book of life. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who acts when we pray. And so I ask that you act in that way in this prayer. And for those who need to come to you in prayer, Lord, I pray that whatever is hindering them, that they would come to the place where they could approach you and pray and speak to you knowing that you will act on their behalf, knowing that you will listen to them and their request. Lord, you are an amazing God. You know what the future holds, you've planned it out. You know that for your children, there is an eternal hope, an eternal joy that we have no matter what happens to us here on earth. And in that we rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us in this series on Daniel. Thanks for joining us for this last little bit today. My prayer is that these messages and our time spent in Daniel have really spoken to you. And that God has used it really to encourage you, to spur you on, to challenge you into things that you need to be challenged in. My prayer ultimately though is that your name is written in the book of life. I encourage you to check out our church if you're new and if maybe this is the first time you're listening to our services, check out our church at our webpage, southridgefellowship.ca. Also, sign up for the prayer stations. A great way to get ready for Easter. And now just spend a few minutes interacting with the questions that we have for you. Go deeper. See where God wants you to to discover what God wants you to talk about. Have a great week, Southridge, and we'll see you back for Easter.